So we're kicking off the Advent season, and uh, what you do at Advent and tra- traditionally is you light a candle every week, and um, because we're living spring and we're uber competitive, we have three candles that we're lighting, and uh, those will be set up along the stage as we go along. But this morning is the candle of hope, and I don't know if you've ever hoped for anything. Uh, when I was 11 years old, we lived in New Jersey, and I hoped for a BMX bike, and uh, like this was a super big deal for me. And back in my day, when it, they were, the wheels were made out of uh, wood, and uh, no, uh, it wasn't BMX the way you think of it nowadays. No one was doing backflips. No one was doing all that stuff. It was just kind of there. And, and the bike I wanted was a Huffy uh, BMX bike. And it had a longer seat that was really padded because when you're doing the kind of jumps I was going to be doing, you don't want to hurt yourself. And then on the back, it had this little like thing, just, you know, kind of a backrest because, you know, I like to be comfortable when I'm doing jumps and stuff like that. So Christmas came, my parents uh, gave me all my presents and there was no BMX bike. And so I was super disappointed, but I tried to hide it and like man up and be like, no, it was a really good Christmas. You know, and, and so my dad told me to act like a man and go get some firewood. So I went out on the front porch to get the firewood and there was my BMX bike, you know, I know. Isn't that cool? All right, let's pray. Lord, no, okay. Uh, that's, all I had. that's all I had for this morning. It's just a great story. Uh, anyway, so, uh, so I rode the BMX bike and after a while I did a jump, uh, like a jump and the frame cracked and then um, all my hopes and dreams were dashed upon the rocks. Uh, and so, so when you think about hope, you know, we probably all have little stories like that of stuff we hoped for. We hoped, we, we mailed away for something and we hoped it would do this. Or we hoped for free shipping or we hoped they wouldn't, you know, run our credit. We kind of like hope all these different things. But then some of us uh, in this room and all the people we know are hoping for something radically different. Much like on the higher scale. Something more important. We're hoping for a child or we're hoping for... Um, to get through a season in our lives, right? So for Lisa and I, that manifests itself in uh, having a son with epilepsy where you hope for healing. And even in the process of that journey, that long journey, there are elements uh, that um, are little victories and little hope builders and there are elements that are hope dashers. And when he was first diagnosed, um, uh, when the neurologist said, look, this is going to be a, long, a really long haul. In the back of my mind, the hope I clung to was that they just give him a medication and we could be done with this. And then we kind of dodged a bullet and, 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 and we'd be done, you know. And, and I'd heard that, um, you know, I'd, I'd heard after we kind of got the news and kind of got the gut blow of that. Um, most of the people we talked to said, oh, I have a cousin, I have an uncle, I have an aunt. You know, it's just they did it with this. And so our hope was in this pill that he took, his first medication. And when that didn't work, our hope was in the second pill. Um, and then when that didn't work, it was the third and the fourth and the fifth. And now he's on number six and seven. And, there's, and they don't really work that well. And so hope... As you kind of reach for it and it's not there, as you go for another test and the kind of anomaly is still there or, or it's whatever it is is not in remission, you, you kind of search for another hope because you're hoping for healing. You're hoping 
for something. I was hoping for that bike. I'm hoping for healing. And so then you kind of, kind of change and you go, well, okay, if it's not going to be the pills. And then we started getting, you know, as people kind of knew our story and we'd start to get articles on, uh, you know, uh, try, to, try to change his diet, you know, make it an all-protein diet and, you know. Uh, you know, tofu extract, you know, whatever. I mean, it's like we get all these kind of things and some of them were super freaky, like, you know, like 40 wings of a gnat and the heart of a bat and the paw of a cat. Ah, you know, like, like, ah, like even if it did it, I, well, I don't know. Where do I get the heart of a bat? Um, and so you, you kind of go through that. And then, and then we heard that maybe puberty will solve it. And so who, what parent, just by a raise of hands, ever puts hope in puberty? right? That's like the biggest scary part of life, you know? Anyway, um, and, and so it's like we're hoping, okay, maybe we could just call it time instead of puberty. Maybe time will take care of this. And so we put our hope in time. And there's testing. And, and, and some of you might be there. I mean, some of you right now might be dealing with an ailment. And, uh, and it's just hard to go through the ups and downs of, of hope. Because we hope for something to happen. Maybe you're in a relationship right now that's really struggling. And you're hoping he'll change. You're hoping she'll change. You're hoping you guys can get on the same page like it used to be. Or maybe you're hoping for a relationship. You're hoping for a boyfriend, for a girlfriend, for a husband, for a, a, a wife, something like that. So we kept going on with all this, you know, testing and, and pills, just lots and lots of pills and all this kind of stuff. And um, last year... Uh, around February, um, he didn't, he didn't, he went a week without a seizure and then two weeks without a seizure, then like a month, then two months, and then four months. And like hope, hope began to rise. You know, you get that sense of like, but you're still, you're still kind of like, ah, I, I can't, I can't like totally jump in, but I'm getting closer to being, being there. And then six months go by, and then eight months go by, and then ten months go by. And you're like going, honestly, we'd have these conversations. I think this might be it. I remember having, I remember that almost probably being my, 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 the words I had. And then on Christmas Eve of last year, he began seizing again. And it was devastating. It, it was just, it rocked, rocked, rocked us. And I lost hope that he'd ever be healed. On Christmas Eve of 2012, I was completely without hope. And we just sat there in the bed and we cried and we just thought, well, how do you get past this, you know? So the people of Israel had a lot of this going on as a people for a lot of their history. A lot of their history was not the way it should have been, what they had hoped for. As a matter of fact, what you can describe what the people of Israel and what our Heavenly Father had for the people of Israel in one word. What, what, the, the, the plan, the design was shalom. It was peace, not an absence of war, but the way things were supposed to be. A full rep, uh, restoration between God and his people. That they would be a great nation and he would be their God. And the nations would see what a great God they have. And the nations would come and serve that God. And 
because of some things Israel did and some things that just happened and all this kind of stuff, there's always this, this tension of no hope or, or there'd be a king that would rise up and, it, he, and he'll be our hope. We'll have, we'll have what we need then. And then that would, that would crash. And almost all of Judges is just this, just a oh, mire of no hope. And 700 years before Jesus came, Isaiah gives this prophecy. He says, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light is dawn. There's some, what do we call it? Hope, right? 700 years. <laughs> it's like, man, don't you hate that hope involves waiting? Like, wouldn't it be once I amass enough hope, I wouldn't have to wait and we'll all be done. You know, it's like, wouldn't that be the thing? But there's this waiting process. It's like God on his calendar when this is going to be the day and you look and you're like flipping through month after month and go, where did you say it was? Oh, it's, it's 700 years from here, you know. It says, you're living in the land of the shadow of death. A light has dawned. And there's a sense in that 700 years, I would imagine, that, that Israel was chasing hope, was chasing this idea that someday a Messiah would come and bring things the way they were supposed to bring, bring shalom. And in the same way, I, I feel like, at least for myself, and, and again, this is just my personal example, my family story, there's been this sense of chasing hope. It'll be this, it'll be that, it'll be this. Today we leave for San Diego to go take a test, another test, where they put Jesse in this room, this giant magnet room, and it's literally like a, a vault. Like, they, it really is a vault, and they, they spin that thing closed, and he's in there, and they talk to him. He's got probes going all over there. I have no hope in that test, really, anymore. It'll, it might show something. He's taken one before. But his, my hope for his healing is very low. And so even as we go to this thing, this test, when it's awesome. Uh, for us personally, we've been blessed with good health care. So I get the bill, $40,000 for that test, and, uh, and, and I don't have to pay it. And so I hope that continues because um, I don't. Well, yeah, I've only got 30000 so I, I, can't, uh, I can't pay for the rest of that. But this prophecy in Isaiah chapter 9 keeps going all through Isaiah. Isaiah is kind of this messianic book that, that builds upon just this light as dawn and begins to describe who that Messiah is going to be and what's going to take place. And so there's, there's a lot of hope in that book, actually. And when we get to Matthew chapter 12, there, there's this... Um, Matthew quotes Isaiah... In chapter 40. And watch how he describes the Messiah. Because I am going somewhere with all this. Here's my servant. Whom I have chosen. The one I love. And whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him. And he will proclaim justice to the nations. You get that sense that Israel is going to take. It's rightful place as a nation again. With God at the helm. And they're going to be his people. And he's going to be their God. Now watch this. This is really neat. Because I think this talks to anyone who's in the same spot I'm in this morning. He will not quarrel. Or cry out. No one will hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break. 
and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out till he leads justice to victory. I want you to see kind of the tension that's here. On the one hand, you have this Savior, this Messiah, that will not break a bruised reed, won't snuff out the candle that's almost barely at the end of its life. And you might be there right now where you just feel like, you know what? It's just, I'm right at the end. So you have that caring Messiah who'll gather you up in his arms. And then on the other hand, you have this Messiah that's kind of this authoritarian, this almost militaristic leading justice to victory. I mean, you've got almost like a sword in one hand and then this like caring Messiah in the other. And then the prophet Isaiah adds this wonderful last little part this morning. He says this, In his name, the nations will put their hope. In his name, the nations will put their hope. And I am so happy for that that word nations. In the Greek there, it's ethnos. And it's this idea of breaking us out of our own shell, our own culture, our own circumstances, our own kind of perspective, and opening our minds up to the idea that there's a God in heaven that cares about everyone in the whole world. And the other thing this word does, which I love so much, is that you might be the broken reed. You might be the, 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 the smoldering wick. And you're thinking to yourself, there's no way I made this smoldering wick like the decisions i made have caused this there's no way he's gonna he's gonna be justice coming to victory i'm just i know it and so you're sitting there bending just barely ready to go and your idea of the messiah is this justice to victory and it's like well go go ahead you know and he comes in the nations means it's everyone every socioeconomic class every ethnicity Every part all over the globe. This is the hope we have when a little baby was born in Bethlehem. It was funny as we talk about the nations. um, You know, oftentimes it's so easy to get trapped in our own perspective. So this year, uh, what we decided to do as a leadership team, there's a Hispanic church that goes right after our church. And, And so we said, let's have the Hispanic church decorate for Christmas. Let's include them. Every year we decorate for Christmas and it's like, here's your Christmas, you know. And it's like, no, this year we want them to we want them to do it. And it was really funny because as I was talking to different pastors, most of them white, um, I go, hey, I'm super excited. This Hispanic church is going to decorate for Christmas. And they go, oh, I wouldn't do that. And it, it's so awesome. I can't tell you to be around pastors because they're supposed to be super holy. And they also, like, they're also, they know when they've stepped in it. And so they'll be like, and so, and then other pastors are really good at beating them when they're down. Like, that's what I do. I love it. And so, so I'm just waiting. I'm like, oh, yeah, the Hispanic church is doing that. Oh, really? I'd be nervous ab- about that. I'm just like, yeah. yeah. How come? Well, Oh, no, nothing. Just what if, what if they, uh, you know, what if they what? Yeah, it, 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 you know, it's just like, yeah, awesome. But see, 
But we want, we want to be that church that is, in, that is like, it's hope to the nations. It doesn't matter what language. It doesn't matter what culture. It doesn't matter where you are in the scale of power. It doesn't matter all of that. Jesus comes as hope. And listen, when you're in a place of power and you don't need hope, I promise you a day is coming when you will be a smoldering wick. And what you will love is for your Messiah to pick you up and hold you now. Let me just give you kind of the point I want to make this morning that you can write down. It's not what you're hoping for. It's who you're hoping in. See, what you're hoping for, when you get that, it can still be, I got the BMX bike and the frame cracked. You might get the husband and be like, uh-oh, like, you know, like you might get the boyfriend, get the girlfriend. You might get, you know, get the thing you're hoping for. But unless you're hoping in a Messiah that can handle both the smoldering wick and leading justice to victory, it's always going to end up in disappointment. Because we're not called to hope for something. We're called to hope in something. And Peter describes this hope in a little different terminology not only does it include the nations, not only does it include what the socioeconomic place that people are in, not only does it include everybody's ethnos or what have you, it includes something else. Check this out. First Peter, uh, let's see, chapter 1. Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us birth into a living hope. See, what I love about this term living hope is the idea that no matter what I'm going through, no matter what the diagnosis is, no matter what the thing, whether it works or doesn't work or whatever, I have a Savior that's there, alive, giving me his presence, giving me his peace and his joy and his comfort. And some of us, as I just look out, I just know a lot of our stories. We've gone through those times where you're just thinking, man, there is no hope. And then the living hope somehow comes to the rescue, even when the circumstances don't change. So Peter calls us this living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. It's weird at Christmas because you're celebrating this birth of, of God, essentially. God in the flesh. And you're trying to wrap your mind out of, on all that. And so you spend the Christmas season understanding the hope and the joy and the peace and the love that we go through all these different candles that we're going to be talking about in the next few weeks. But in, the, in kind of the, the back end of that is this death and resurrection. And so, like this morning, you'll have this candle of hope here and the table of his body and blood right here, all kind of in the front going, this is all part of this, a light is dawned. There's a living hope. There's a Messiah that's been broken and snuffed out for us so that we won't be. We have this candle of hope on the other side. So it says... The resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. See, what I found in my own life is that as I'm kind of moving along, I, I end up chasing hope. It's, it's this thing, and then it's that thing, and this. And well, one of the ways this manifested itself in my life was when I got married, 
I made $24,000 a year. And uh, I remember thinking, going over our budget, thinking, if I had three more thousand dollars, if I made 27, all my problems would be solved. Like, like 27,000, I remember thinking to myself, who needs more than $27,000? Right? Like, you mean for lunches? And like, no, no, like, oh, like totally. Like, who needs more than $27,000? And then I'm just like, I, was so, I remember hoping, oh, I hope I get a raise this year. Hope I get a raise this year. Yeah, we've all been there. Hope I get a raise this year. And so you get the raise, and you're like, ha, ha. The first thing you do is celebrate, and you buy something worth $3,000, right? And then you pay it off of it. Now, you, you, like, first thing you do is you celebrate, you go out to dinner. And you go out to dinner, and everything's cool. And it's just like, yeah, you know, we got the $3,000. And it doesn't take but three months. Yeah, five, five, five more thousand. Like last time it was three, but I think five, I think that would cover retirement, kids, college, every five. Okay, who needs more than $32,000? It starts with a three. It's an incredible amount of money. It's just fantastic. And you know how it goes. Soon it's 35, 40. It's like you're chasing, chasing, chasing. Like, it's like this. When we hope for something, even when we get it, it doesn't really last that long. You, I, I'm telling you now, you talk to a person making 150 G's, they're thinking 10 more thousand, and that's all. I, you know, and we're all, well, most of us are going 150,000. You know what? That's insane. You know, you know, 1% invade Wall Street or whatever. I mean, we're thinking we don't need that much, but they're thinking just 10 more thousand, baby. I'm hoping for 10 more thousand. I'm hoping for a Christmas bonus. It's chasing hope, Right? That manifests itself in many ways. But see, the living hope is always there. The living hope isn't, def- isn't dependent on something happening in the future. That, that's a stagnant hope. That's when you're hoping for something. When you're hoping in someone, that hope is here. That hope is now. As a matter of fact, I just want to show you back to Isaiah again, kind of coming back. You know, we're at verse 9 with that prophecy that a light has dawned. And then, and then Matthew kind of talks about that in, in chapter 40. And this is also in chapter 40. And get, get, get this. This is what he says. He says, um, uh, he gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. I just want to paint this picture for what's what's happening here. Strength to the weary and power of the weak is different than kind of what we've been talking about the last four weeks, having expectations met. This isn't like problem solved. This is power infused. It's not getting what you're hoping for. It's actually experiencing the presence of the one you're hoping in. And, and, and if you notice in the second part of here, it's like, you know, for those of us who might be saying, well, I don't, I, I don't hope for anything. My life's going great. I got a great job, great this, great that, great that. The Bible says even youths grow tired and weary. And, you know, there's going to come a time that you're going to need that presence of God. You're going to need that living hope to come because you're going to end up in a place where you have no hope. You're going to come to a place... You know, in whatever area of your life where you go, you know what? I don't see a way out of this. So then Isaiah continues on this and he says this, but those who hope in the Lord, they're going to have all their needs met. 
and all their expectations fulfilled. And a Lexus with a cute red bow because it's the Lexus to remember event or whatever that thing is. <laughs> what is that? December to remember, right? Yeah. No, 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 no. They won't get the Lexus. Well, maybe they will. They'll donate it to their pastor. Okay. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength not meet their expectations, will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Here's what Lisa and I have found out in our journey with our son. I've lost hope and healing, but I've gained faith in Jesus. I've kind of lost hope in science, you know. But I've gained faith that God is going to, even in the darkest times, come and support us. Take care of us. Help us to soar like eagles. Help us to walk and not be weary. And some of you guys this morning, even as I look around, I know your stories. Relationships. Healing things. Stories that are sad. Stories of abuse. That same hope that is represented in this candle and with Jesus is available. It's disappointing that it doesn't just come and fix, you know. That there isn't just this kind of magical thing. And sometimes God does heal. Absolutely, he can. Absolutely, sometimes God performs a miracle and it's done, you know. She walks into the room and you're just like, my prayers are answered. Right? I mean, some, sometimes these things happen and we pray for those things. We get those cards every week and we pray for them because we believe God can do miracles. We have no problem talking about miracles happening for today. And we've prayed over those things and a lot of those things, a lot of those things have actually happened and God has really moved in and done great things. I want to send you to just one other section of scripture as we kind of continue down this path of how faith becomes hope. It's in Romans. It says this, Therefore, since we've been justified through faith. Now, again, Romans has just got a whole bunch of stuff in there that takes a while to get your brain kind of adjusted. It's like when someone starts speaking another language and you go, oh, I've got to switch into that mode. If you, for those of you who are bilingual, uh, when you start to read Romans, you've got to kind of like switch into Romans mode because it's like packed full of stuff. But therefore, since we've justified, been justified through faith, basically all this is talking about those who've understood that their place before God, they have no place before God except for what Christ did on the cross. That's all that is. They've been justified by faith. They said by faith, they said, you know what? I'm going to accept what Christ has done on the cross as my salvation. This is the restoration process we've been talking about. This light that is dawn, this hope to the nations. Is Christ Jesus' death and resurrection on the cross? Him dying for our sins. And so this is the position we start in. We start in this sense of going, you know what? I, I'm a sinner and I need a savior. And I accept what Christ has done. And I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go follow down that road. So that's just a fancy way of saying that. Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, now with that relationship, with that, that journey that we're starting on, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we've gained access by faith into his grace. 
So there's a sense of that as we accept Christ and we begin these steps, these little baby steps of following him, we begin to enter into his grace. Now watch, it gets even better. Uh, Which now we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. There's a sense that we are coming into completion, shalom, restoration of what all we were designed to be. Now that sounds awesome. And it sounds like, well, show me the money then. <laughs> like, give me the money verse that has the December to remember event. Like, give me the thing that will solve this problem I have with my mom or my dad or whatever. Here's what he says. Not only so, but we rejoice in our sufferings. Huh. That's not very fun. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read this, this seems backwards to me. Like if I'm suffering, don't you think it should start with hope? Like you, you're suffering, then you start with, I sure hope this ends. <laughs> like I, I sure hope, you know, they stop sending me invoices. You know, it's kind of that whole th- thing. You, just, you hope, but it doesn't. We rejoice in our suffering because we know that suffering produces perseverance. And perseverance, character, and character, hope. Maybe this process of dealing with our sufferings is what allows Christ's spirit to manifest because we get to a point where we know we can't do it. And maybe that's character. Maybe character is the understanding that, you know what, I can't do this on my own. I need Jesus. Now, it stops With hope, there's another one that I think Paul forgot, but I'm not allowed to say that. Because he probably was sitting here going, hope? Who wants to end with hope? Like if I base my perseverance and my character on this thing, hope is that next step that goes, I don't know if I'm ready. What happens if I hope in Jesus and he doesn't come through and it gets worse? And that is how my character is formed. At the edge of my character, I decide, am I ready to go all the way and hope that Christ is just going to come in and help through the suffering, through the perseverance? Here's what I found in my own life. As I've taken that step, you know, up to character and going, man, am I ready to just trust God for this? Am I ready to take that step? We had this one time when we were entering from my job into ministry. There is this sense of, I hope this works out. You know, like, I, as I enter into hope, faith is birthed. As I enter into hope, it increases my faith. And here's what we've noticed through our journey with Jesse. I've lost hope in his healing, but I've just got this faith now in Christ stronger than ever. That even as the circumstances seem to be getting worse, there's a sense of I can rest in him. I can trust him. In other words, Hebrews says it this way. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen yet. 
So there's a sense that as you kind of have, you have your perseverance and that becomes character and you're like, man, if I, if I trust in Jesus, there's going to, I don't know if I, I might be disappointed. Well, Paul goes on. Here's what he says. He knows we're thinking that and hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given to us. Man. I don't, know, I don't know where you are this Christmas season. For some people, Christmas is the greatest season in the world. They love it. They decorate. They started decorating in May. You know, they're just like waiting to turn on the lights, you know. We, what we do at our house is we just never take them down. And then you're always decorated, right? You just turn them off and on. Now, for some of you, it's just like, it's just like the Christmas music is going on. For others, you've maybe had a loss in the family. Maybe it was around Christmas time. It just reminds you. Maybe, maybe there's just been a history in your family where Christmas has just always been just this com- competition with siblings and all these kinds of things. Maybe there's been a sense of disappointment around the season. And so we're always careful as leaders in the church or we try to be in both celebrating but also understanding this might be the first Christmas you're single. In a long time. Or the first Christmas as a widow. Or the first Christmas without a job. The first Christmas where you can't pay for Christmas stuff. The thing is, hope in Christ brings faith. It does not disappoint. Is it hard? Absolutely it's hard. That step between character and hope is, a, is a, sometimes a leap of faith. It's just like, God, you're going to have to do this. But in Romans chapter 15, 10 chapters past what it says here, Paul kind of gives this prayer that I'd like us to rest on as we enter into communion. It's this, it's this blessing that, that as we leave, I'll pray over us just corporately. But I want you to, I don't have it on here. I'd, I'd like you to just close your eyes for a bit. And just kind of get into a space for you where you can set a bunch of stuff aside, whatever's on your mind from the holidays or whatever. And maybe right now you're going through something right, you know, where it's just, your family's just rocked. I'm just going to read this verse and I just want you to listen and kind of let it, mull over in your mind. I'll read it a, a few times. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. As Joe comes back up, leads us in a time of communion. That over-
overflowing with hope can happen to anyone at any time. You don't need your circumstances to change. It's hard. It, it is hard. Uh, it's easier for me to just have healing, to just have. But through our own strength, you know, even Isaiah was saying, young men, you can go, you might be in the best spiritual shape of your life, but even young men grow weary and tired. This overflowing of hope happens within the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul calls it a peace that surpasses all understanding. He doesn't even make sense. That's my prayer as we kick off the Advent season. As some of us go through difficult times for Christmas. As some of us are reminded of some things. As some of us get around family members that might have wounded us in very deep ways. That there'd be this sense that there's this hope that overflows by the power of the Holy Spirit. 